Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I believe that there are the answers that you are looking for in the Bible to every question that you have, whether it's a natural question, spiritual question, or whatever it might be. God's Word will supply everything that you need. And your life will be made whole by receiving the bread of life, the word of God. Now, let's go today to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we're going to receive the, the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And I want to give you a scripture and a, a scripture theme to help you with your finances. This is, of course, found in the word of God. God's principles are timeless. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 16. I'm going to skip through the little story that Solomon is speaking of here, but he makes a statement that is a very heavyweight statement in verse 16. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Now, the context of the story is a wartime scenario, you have a great army, you have a small city, but you have a very poor man in the city, but the poor man's very wise. And it's really a parable that Solomon is telling here, but he gets to the, the thrust of what he's trying to convey. And this is what he's conveying. Wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better, actually, than a great army. And the wisdom that this poor man had was enough to deter this mighty army. Now, I have seen people that work really hard, but even with hard work, they do not pull ahead financially. And when I was growing up as a young boy, I was always told, you know, work hard, do a good job, and you'll be successful in life. And that's not really true. And it used to puzzle me why I would see some people work really hard, like a ditch digger or a bricklayer or somebody that's having to lift heavy loads and move bags or sacks of potatoes or flour around. And you think, wow, that's hard work. And they're doing that all day long. But you'll notice that they're uh, being paid a very low wage, maybe maybe minimum wage or something just barely above that. And that didn't make any sense to me as a young man. Why do they work so hard and yet they get paid so little? And that my thinking was due to a lack of understanding, a lack of the wisdom of God's word. So you will see that often some of the hardest workers are actually some of the lowest paid workers. Why? They don't realize that wisdom is better than strength. And the moment you begin to realize the truth of that, the gears start turning up here in a very good way. As long as you're working for money, you're never going to be rich. You're never going to get into these areas of abundance. It's not until your money starts working for you do you begin to pull ahead and have a much larger uh, area of extra resources and overflow. And so I'd like to speak just for a moment about having your money work for you instead of you just living your whole life working for money, literally living like many do, paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. And if that paycheck didn't show up, whoo, you know, uh, there would be a mess because why? There's, there's not the extra. So let's consider today that wisdom, the wisdom of God applied in our finances is better then uh, going out and working 80 hours a week, and after 80 hours a week, uh, you know, uh, with all the overtime, we're still just barely making it. So something, something has to change. Let me give you just one of these wisdom nuggets. There's so many in the Bible, but here's one. I would encourage you, if you haven't been doing it, you need to implement it into your life uh, just as soon as possible, Dur maybe during your next paycheck, or anytime money comes into your hand or however it might be, you really need to uh, give heed to this uh, little nugget I'm going to give to you. And it's found in a book of Deuteronomy. And it's really, it's a principle. And what I'm going to share with you, if, if you catch the revelation of it, then you should praise the Lord because I've shared it with people before and it's like water on the back of a duck. Uh, it just runs off. You know, certain animals, they have a, a water repellent type 
stuff baked into them, into their skin or into their fur or into their feathers. And there is not a penetration from the water or whatever the case might be. Some people, uh, you can't penetrate it through. You could teach and teach. But uh, I think a lot of times it's because they're not interested. And if you're not interested in money or you're not interested in having extra, then oftentimes the truth won't penetrate through that because the person doesn't really want the truth. They, for whatever reason, uh, some people are just uh, happy to uh, go through life just struggling and uh, that they're glad that they know Christ and one day they'll go to go to heaven, but they just aren't too interested in money. I think a lot of that is because of lack of wisdom. Uh, but, you know, we'll have all eternity to learn the things that we didn't learn down here. But while we are down here, let's realize that wisdom is better than strength and implement that wisdom. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8, the Lord will command and it's not something that he might do or might not do. He will do it. If you do your part, the Lord will command the blessing on you where in your storehouses. Wow. So let me stop there just for a moment. Some translations say your barns or in other words, the place where you're going to put the extra or the place that you're going to put your savings. So let's just stick with the word storehouse or it's actually plural. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. Every believer needs to be a tither. It tithe, uh, the tithe ties you in into a financial covenant with God. And then on top of that, when you operate in the law of giving and receiving seed time and harvest, I'm talking about the sowing of financial seed and the reaping of financial harvest. Then you move into a covenant platform with the Lord where the Lord is obligated to take care of you, to be involved in your life, in your area of finances. Praise God. But there's something in this area of also working with principles. And this covenant uh, of finances, it's, it's unveiling. When you step into it and you get on that covenant platform, then the Lord begins to unveil the, the mechanics of the covenant. And you begin to say, uh, say oh, now I, uh, now I understand how God is going to bring increase. So he will command the blessing on you in your storehouses if you do not have a storehouse or preferably storehouses, how can God command the blessing on something that you don't have? Let's go back to elementary school. Uh, let's go to multiplication tables. Now, I, uh, I may be a little bit behind some of you. I did not learn the multiplication table until I was in sixth grade. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But at least I, I'm glad I learned it. They drilled it into me. One times one is one. One times two is two, and on and on it goes. Twelve times twelve is 144. Woo! Ten times ten is 100. You know, so you, you learn the whole thing. But what's, what's ten times zero? Uh, it's zero. What's zero times 100? It's, it's zero. So anytime you're dealing with zero or a, a zero storehouse, how can God multiply zero? I mean, you can't even multiply zero on the, I mean, you can multiply it, but it's going to give you what? Zero. Zero times anything is zero. And God can command a blessing on your storehouse, regardless of how small it is or big it is. I mean, even if we bring it to the most basic thing, the old-fashioned cookie jar that most grandmothers used to have. You know, that a lot of times the, the people that lived through the 1930s recession, they were fearful of the collapse of banks. They thought, I'll never put my money in a bank again, at least not all of it. And so they would always keep some cash, and they would put their savings where? In a cookie jar. Because, you know, they figured that was a nice, safe place. Some people put it in the refrigerator. Some people put it in the mattress. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side put his, uh, he turned it into coinage, uh, old coins. He put it into uh, metal uh, cylinders that were made out of tin. And then as he got older, he forgot where he buried it at. He went out and buried it, and uh, he forgot. So um, it's probably corroded, and uh, most of it's probably, uh, I don't know, maybe I could go, go back to the old farm with a metal detector and find it. Uh, I don't know. Don't really care. The problem is, is that uh, it was not a good form of investment for him to put it in the ground like that because he forgot. At least with the cookie jar, you know where it's at. The bottom line is, you need to have... You need to have a savings account. You need to have a storehouse. And if you have it, God says 
he'll command a blessing on it. So here's what I'd suggest for any believer, regardless of where you live, always honor the Lord with the tithe. Take the 10% and be quick to make sure that goes towards the house of God, towards the Lord. Praise the Lord. Secondly, I would, I would do the best that I can to pull out something for the storehouse, something for your savings. If you can, take 10%. If you're doing real good, like Joseph told the Pharaoh, hey, we're going to have some years like we've never seen before. Let's, let's take out 20%. So when you're doing really good, maybe you could take out more and do what? Put it into a storehouse. There came a time when they needed it. Uh, but if you can't do 10%, you at least need to do something, even if it's 3%. Now, here is where there's a sticking point for many Christians. They say, Pastor Stephen, I can tithe. I'm going to tithe because the Lord instructs us to do that in the Scripture. But after I tithe and pay bills and have money for, you know, for food or whatever for living, I don't have any to put in the savings. That, that's where they miss it. If you will, now, you have to have the revelation on this. If you realize that even though on paper it doesn't look like you can do this, but you do something even if it's $5, if you just do something, suddenly, suddenly, now God has something that he can multiply. He finally has something that he can command the blessing upon. But if you don't have anything, he can't command the blessing upon it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I would also say that your savings really needs to go in the direction of a saving investment an invested form of savings, because if it's just savings, in other words, if it just sits there in the cookie jar and it just sits there for 10 years or 20 years, it will actually diminish in value because of the, you know, inflation that we have every year that drives down the value of the American dollar or whatever your currency might be, but you have inflation. So it's actually losing value unless you invest it. And through saving investment, now it can be increased. Mm, mm, mm. But God, he'll command a blessing upon it. And if you just start saving, just start saving, start saving and, and put it into that account. And then put it into an area where it can be not just money sitting, not doing anything, but can actually become an investment. Now what happens? Now your money starts working for you. So it can get very exciting when you see how the Lord is commanding a blessing upon what? Your storehouse. And he actually mentions storehouses. Praise the Lord. So you need to always take something and put it into the savings. And if you do that, God says, I'll command the blessing upon it. But if you don't have it, he can't command the blessing on zero. He has to have something to work with. The American investor, Warren Buffett, really says uh, that the emphasis that he has learned is not so much the gains through investing. And he's considered one of America's you know, um, iconic investors, having started as a young boy, teenager. I actually, I think he started before he was even in his teen years, buying shares of stock and just holding them for long periods of time and making investments over, over the decades. I think now he's worth about 89 or $90 billion. But he said the focus for him was never on the gains, although that's, that's what, it, in a sense, is all about. He said the focus for him was really how much can you put in the savings? How much more can you put into your savings? <laughs> because even if it's a little, and that's what he taught, even if it's a little, you're moving everything in the right direction. Now, we as believers need to follow these biblical principles. There have been many sinners in the world who've actually worked biblical principles. And if you work those principles, they'll work for you, uh, whether you're a saint or whether you, you're, you don't even know who the Lord is. Uh, it's unfortunate that you have people like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, and they take their financial resources and they'll take big uh, boatloads of money. And they'll give it to Planned Parenthood to support 
the murder of little innocent babies in the wombs of their mothers. And so they actually use their wealth to fund uh, industries of death like that. But, you know, when you have the money, it's up to you to do with it what you want. So that's why God's people need to prosper, because we will do good things with the money. So make sure that in your strength of working, in your strength of working a long day or a long week, Make sure that it's not just strength, but it's wisdom. Why? Wisdom is better than strength. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, you need to be a hard worker. Yes, you want, you want to be a, a good worker because the Bible has a lot to say about diligence. And if you're diligent, there's a promise in the Scripture that the diligent man will not stand before normal men. He'll stand before kings. He'll stand before great people. So that's the blessing of being diligent, a hard worker, really getting after it, as we would say. But still, along with that diligence, you need to have wisdom so that that savings is there. The savings is growing because God is commanding a blessing upon it. And now you see, well, I can put a little bit more in there. I can, I can put a little bit more in there. And that starts building. And then you move that over into an investment area. And if you don't know how to invest, get wise counsel on that so that you don't, you don't lose, you know, everything that's been created. Because that is uh, one of Warren Buffett's top tips is that once you have wealth, what do you have to do? And number one, you have to protect it. You don't want to lose what has been accumulated. So as that savings grows, then you move it into the areas of investment, and now it starts creating money for you. Praise the Lord. And you can move into a place where that interest is working 24-7. Even while you're sleeping, uh, money is being created for you. Checks can be coming in. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Very exciting. The principles of the Lord. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. Praise God. One more story before I pray for you. I was in India uh, some years back, and I taught this message about the blessing of the storehouse, that if you have it, God will command the blessing upon it. And my translator, he um, heard me teach it. I mean, he's actually translating it from English into um I can't remember what it was, Urdu or something like that, uh, into the language of the people there in India. And uh, he said uh, he said he was going to do this. Now, he told me he didn't have the extra. He said, I don't have any extra money to do this, so I'm just going to put a little bit of what I can, you know, which is maybe, maybe for us, it's like a dollar. And for him, that was really pushing it to uh, pull together a little bit to do that. But he found out somehow that if you'll just do it, somehow you have it. And you realize you actually can put money in the savings every, t- savings every time. And so he went along, and he went for about 10 months, and it was looking really good. He was just like, wow. He said, this is incredible. I've, I've never had this in my life before. And then suddenly they were hit with a family medical emergency. It wasn't him. It was somebody else in the family. And he had the money to pay all the bills. Now, when I saw him a year later and he shared the testimony with me, he was actually very sad. He said, Pastor Stephen, he said that he said that savings account, which had grown so large, he said, I had to spend all of it during the during the medical emergency that arose in my family. And he said, I'm, he was telling me that he wasn't happy that it was empty. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, I know you're discouraged that it's empty now, but what would you have done if you did not have that money in the bank? If you didn't have that savings, what would you have done? And his eyes got, as we say, big as saucers. And he said, oh, my goodness, Pastor Stephen. He said, we would have been wiped out. He said, I wouldn't have been able to pay for the bills. I wouldn't have been able to take my family member to the hospital. Uh, the person could have died. There's, there's no telling. Um, it's just um, we would have been in a mess. I said, well, praise the Lord. Now you see the value of having a storehouse. And he, so he got reignited again, and he was back on it. And, uh, you know, the blessing, if it works before, it'll work again. Praise God. So just jump right back into it. So make sure that this is something that you implement into your life. You'll have seasons in your life. You'll have moments in your life where something big comes in. Honor the Lord. Pay the tithe. That belongs to God. And then don't go out and spend the other rest. Don't go out and just blow it all. No, always take something and put it into that savings, into that barn, into that storehouse. Why? Because God's going to command the blessing on that. 
And you may think, well, I'm, I'm putting 1,000 away or 2,000 away or, or 200 away, or whatever it might be. Maybe it's a lot more, okay? But that's gonna, he's going to turn it into a whole lot more by commanding a blessing on it. So that's why you've got to get some into the savings. You're not just putting, uh, if you put 100 in there, it's not like you're just putting 100 in there. Because God can command the blessing on it. That 100, through God's ability and, and the miracle of the storehouse principle, uh, that, that'll start turning into more. Just watch how it happens. It's an amazing thing to walk out. All right. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that as they're honoring you today with the holy tithe and also sowing financial seed. Father, I thank you that. You are teaching them that wisdom is better than strength. And we thank you for strength. You give us strength, but there must be the implementation of wisdom. Let that wisdom be distilled within the hearts of your people, within the understanding of their minds. And may their storehouses, may they grow and grow and grow and grow. And may they even hit the, the, the area of not just being added to, but may they even go into the area of multiplication. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for blessing your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you that like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. Those of you that prefer to bring the tithe and offering in online, it's very safe, secure, highly encrypted. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage. It's a red tab. It's called, uh, it basically says give, and it has a heart on it. And you can go there right now, anytime, day or night, and you can bring your tithe, your offering into the storehouse here, into the ministry. Now, if you would like to sow some seed, you have it up on your heart to give a special offering. We have two projects that we're working on. Just click the web header that's called projects. You'll see our projects. If you would like to sow into those, those would be a blessing as well. Praise God forever. Now, let's jump into today's message. I want to talk today about what in the world is going on, and we find a very interesting text in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Why don't you meet me over there? John chapter 14, we're going to be in verse 30. And let's open up today with the sermon uh, by opening in prayer. Now, Father, as we go into your word, we thank you that the entrance of your word brings light. It brings illumination. It brings understanding. And so we ask that the candle of our heart be turned on, be illuminated by your word, that we could take it, understand it, walk in the light of it, and enjoy all that you have planned and intended for us to experience as your children in the earth. We give you praise. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, again, we are in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 14, and I would like for us to drop down to verse 30. Praise the Lord. Now, it says here, I will no longer talk much with you. This is Jesus discussing uh, many things with his apostles. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me. Well, the big showdown, uh, uh, the greatest showdown of all time, uh, the, the cosmic battle of the ages was about to take place. Every demon on the planet was coming over to Israel to uh, get behind uh, Satan and to make sure that this uh, evil agenda was pushed through. And the angels are there watching the Lord. All of heaven is looking down. Uh, the, this was an amazing moment. And we're hitting into that. And Jesus says, I will no longer talk much with you. In other words, he's going to get real dialed in now, real focused, forehead like Flint, focused on the assignment. And also, there's a place in, the, in, in this intense battle. You don't want to do much talking because you've already done all of your preparation. So now it's just time to walk it out. And Jesus, when he was on this mock form of a trial and, you know, being ridiculed and being beaten and whipped and all of that stuff, he didn't do much talking. He had, he had some times when he would answer Pilate or he would say certain things. Uh, but the, most of the time, he just zipped it, and he was quiet because he doesn't, he doesn't want, want to make any mistakes. Everything is on the line. There's only a few more scriptures prophetically to be fulfilled that were prophesied about him. He's going to take care of that. 
while he's going to go through the scourging and so forth, and then while he's on the cross, he's going to get it all wrapped up right. And he said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Now, that ruler of the world is the individual that we know as Satan, who used to formerly be known as Lucifer, but he was uh, terminated from his heavenly post, and he was thrown out of heaven with one-third of the rebellious angels that decided to side with him. And he is now down here influencing the minds of evil men, and he is the ruler over this world system. And he does certain things through his workers, and the hierarchy, the structure of his dark kingdom, where he is giving them constantly directions and instructions of things to do to constantly cause problems and for sin to, in his hope, to flourish. But as believers, we are no longer under his dominion or authority. We are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We are now in the kingdom of light which is also called in Scripture the kingdom of God's dear Son. And so we've been delivered. Hallelujah. He doesn't have anything on us either. Praise God. So it is important to know that Satan is the ruler of this world. There will be a time he's bound for a thousand years by Michael, the archangel. Satan will be thrown into what's called the bottomless pit. Then he'll pop out after a thousand years. He'll be loosed again. And only for a brief period of time to cause a little mayhem. And that's really just a, uh, well, it would take me a while to explain all that. I don't want to get off track. But that's just a short-lived thing as well. And then eventually Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. All the demons will be thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, The beast and the false prophet, they will already have been thrown into the lake of fire. So the long story short is that we win. Praise God. All right, so we need to know what's going on because the ruler of this world, he's the one that stirs up problems, uh, causes wars, causes fighting, causes riots. Now, he works through people. He works through people. How can he do that? He is the ruler of this world, and he works through these spiritual influences. We see this very clearly in the Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. And I, I have just got to read this to you from the Phillips translation. I don't often use the Phillips translation because it is highly paraphrased, but it's, it's paraphrased so good that uh, particularly in the epistles, paraphrased versions can really shine. When you want to get the literal meaning, you've got to go back to more of a literal translation like, uh, you know, American Standard Version or New King James Version, which is what I teach from most often 99% of the time. But oftentimes uh, in the epistles, uh, some of these paraphrased versions like the J.B. Phillips, which I'm going to read to you, is absolutely beautiful. So I would like to read to you verses 5 through 12. And we're talking today about why things are the way they are, what in the world is going on out in, you know, in our country or in the other nations of the world when we see all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And I would just like to talk about that for a moment and read to you the words of the Apostle Paul, verse 5. I expect you remember now how I talked about this when I was with you. You will probably also remember how I used to talk about a restraining power which would operate until the time should come for the emergence of this man. Evil is already insidiously at work, but its activities are restricted until what I have called the restraining power of God is removed. When that happens, the lawless man will be plainly seen, though the truth of the Lord Jesus spells his doom. And the radiance of the coming of the Lord Jesus will be his utter destruction. The lawless man is produced by the spirit of evil and armed with all the force, wonders, and signs that falsehood can devise. To those involved in this dying world, he will come with evil's undiluted power to deceive, for they have refused to love the truth which could have saved them. God sends upon them, therefore, the full force of evil's delusion, so that they put their faith in an utter fraud and meet the inevitable judgment 
of all who have refused to believe the truth and who have made evil their playfellow. Praise the Lord. That's the J.B. Phillips translation from 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 5 through 12. My friends, Satan, who is the ruler of this world, he wants to bring forth the man of iniquity, the man of lawlessness. And you see lawlessness that would try to pop up. But you know what? Just can't quite break forth just yet. Why? There is still a restraining force that is in the earth. And although the enemy would like to run wild, he can't do it. Praise God. He can't do it. Can't do it yet. He can't do it yet. And so some other things. It's time for some other things. Now, the devil will eventually have his time and his man that in scripture is basically known as the Antichrist will come forth just as slick and as polished as can be good looking smooth talker the nations will fall before him and say this is the man that we've been looking for oh yeah he, he is if you want a liar if you want a fraud if you want a crook there he is because oh, he's going to be full of the devil and all kinds of false fake signs and wonders and the whole enchilada of deceit and just the big mess of lawlessness there he is but you know what it's not time yet. Praise the Lord. Not time yet. The restraining force is still holding back this desire of the enemy to get this guy out there. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, what is it time for? What's it time for? I'm so glad you asked. We need to take a look at that today because it might surprise you what it's actually time for. And it's actually your time. Praise the Lord. Time for what, Pastor Stephen? Time to arise and shine. Glory to God. Now let's go to that chapter from Isaiah chapter 60, a very famous chapter. And I want to talk about a few things concerning this today. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light, not the Antichrist, not the devil's finest moment. No, <laughs> no, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. What is this deep darkness? It's deceit. And it's all of the lawlessness. It's sin running wild and reaching its apex. Now, it says, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The challenge that we face right now is to be aware of the darkness. We could even call it, as Scripture does, the gross darkness. And I think we are aware of that, So, and, and we need to be. But you can't make it your focus, although you're aware of it. You cannot make that your focus. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should we make the, our focus be? Should we make it the glory? I mean, it's talking about the glory coming upon us. Should we make the focus the glory? Um, well, that's going to be part of it. But I wouldn't say that's really where you put your attention at either. I would put the attention, the focus on this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. What does that mean? It means it's your time. It's your time right now. Right now, whoo, praise the Lord. So, I know that that statement would seem to go against logic. Why? Because of circumstances. Circumstances would tell you that this is the time of lawlessness. It looks like it's all going to collapse and things are going to go really bad and everything's going to crash, everything's going to burn, and it's all over with. And you know, we might as well get ready to be uh, beheaded by the Antichrist or however that's going to play out. No, no, he's still held back. And although there is darkness out there morphing into gross darkness, it's not really their time. It's in the eyes of God. It's your time. It's your time. And you really need to believe that. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, who is the restrainer? Who or what is the restraining force? Well, I believe that as we're here in Isaiah chapter 60, that if you would really like to know, 
you can just go in reverse a few scriptures back up to Isaiah chapter 59 and right there in verse 19 only two verses away from where we're kind of camping today you'll actually see a classic example of who the restrainer is verse 19 so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory from the rising of the Sun when the enemy comes in like a flood doesn't it look like that's going on with America and not just America but Nigeria and uh, other parts of the world that are going through their various challenges right now when the enemy comes in like a flood the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and that word standard refers to a war banner the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him one translation actually says an armed resistance and so that's the Spirit of the Lord just saying, no, it's not your time. You, you may think you're going to overcome, but you're not going to. And God himself steps in. Now, the context of Isaiah 59 is really all of the sin, all of the lawlessness, truth falling in the streets, injustice everywhere, bribery taking place everywhere, and God looking at it and saying, I'm not really seeing uh, much intercession. I'm actually not seeing any intercession or any standing in the gap of this situation and I'm not applying that to America I believe there are many Christians that love America that are praying for America and many of you in other countries you love your home country your home nation but this was a scenario where God said well if nobody else is going to uh, deal with this God basically says I'll step in and I'll take over and that's what he did and God has the ability to lead the course of a king even if it's a wicked king he can lead their heart just like the water going through a river God can turn it wherever he wants to and he has that ability to do that so you may think oh the uh, you know the enemy's just going to come in and it's all lost we might as well just get ready to meet the antichrist himself we'll probably see him on tv any day now but it's not it's not time yet when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him most theologians and I would give them uh, my thumbs up along with their uh, deter- their how can I say their opinion on this as well. They believe that the restraining force is actually the Holy Spirit, and I believe the Holy Spirit is the great restrainer. Now, others have said, and there, there's good points that it could be uh, governmental authorities. That often can be the the case because governmental authorities do implement laws, but I don't think that's it because governmental authorities can become corrupt. Even those that are appointed to enforce the law can become corrupt, whether it's judges, whether it's lawmen or policemen or whoever it might be. So there can be corruption and bribery that just rife. We see that in many countries around the world where um, you you can't trust the law enforcement. They're all bought out by the drug cartel or whatever the case might be. So while there are various opinions about who the restraining force is some people think some theologians think maybe that's the church could be in a sense from the perspective of the Holy Spirit working through the church but I believe when you back up and look at it more fully also from a biblical perspective the Holy Spirit is the great restrainer and here you see him doing that very thing when the enemy comes in like a flood The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So the Holy Spirit is the restraining force and says, devil, you'll have your day, but it's not today. And you may may have some skirmishes that you win, but you're not going to win the overall war because it's already been won through Christ. So there is a line he can't cross. There is an area that he can't go past. Why? There's something restraining. That is the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So I'm here today to tell you that, you know, you may look at all the stuff going on and you may think, what in the world is going on? on I'm here to tell you that what is going on is that it's your time it's your time praise the Lord so let that be your focus and believe that and watch what God's going to begin to do in your life so if you're if you're thinking which would be logical if you're thinking well pastor Stephen if this is my time then what should I expect to see concerning the manifestation of the glory because it says in verse 2 his glory will be seen upon you his glory will be seen upon you so if it is your time to rise and shine and I'm telling you prophetically because the Lord has revealed this to me that it is then what expectation of the manifestation of this glory can you expect to see even 
in this present moment. Praise God. Even with circumstances out there that would look crazy and goofy, saying it's the enemy's time. No, it's your time. And here are three things that you can expect. Now, His glory will be seen upon you. One of the manifestations of the glory, because the glory is, is coming upon you, one of the first things that you can expect, and, it, and it's very, very important is to receive visions from the Lord. And I have scripture for this. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Matthew chapter 17. Let's take a look at it just for a moment. Praise God. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. His brother led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He didn't take the twelve. You had the circle of the twelve his closest ones to him. But out of the 12, he took the three, which we could call the inner circle. Praise God. And it's like that. Even in the body of Christ, you have the, you have the outer court, you have the, you have the inner court, you have, you have the holy place, you have the holy of holies. There's always different levels of those that really want to get close to the Lord. And that's something that's a personal choice, a personal decision to make based upon how you live your life with God. Now, uh, of course, the benefit of being close to him is that you get to go up on the mountain. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. So verse two, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. What's going on? Manifestation of the glory. So they're seeing the Lord in a fuller expression of his glory. This is not the Jesus that they see on a normal basis. Oh, yes, they, they've seen him signs, wonders, miracles, the love, compassion, opening of the uh, blinded eyes of the leper and so forth. They, they've seen that. But, you know, they see him every morning, get up, you know, uh, uh, you know, have to get dressed, brush his teeth, use the restroom, go off, do the thing, you know, eat food and stuff like that, sleep. They see all of that. But this this is a new expression. They're seeing they're seeing uh, more of an expression of his deity than they've ever realized before. He's all man. But at the same time, he's all God. Now, he laid the God power down to operate as a man, but he, he never stopped being God, and he still hasn't today. He's still God, and he's still man. Pastor Steve, I don't understand that. That's okay. It's called the divine mystery. <laughs> and it's a wonderful thing to ponder on, praise God. Verse 3, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. What's taking place here? A vision, a visionary experience. Really, it's a collective vision that they're all entering into. Peter, James, John, Jesus has seen it, but the others are pulled into the vision as well. We know that from verse 9. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision. See, it was a vision. It was a vision. Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. The moment that glory starts coming up on you, the light, the glory is rising on you. Get ready. Get ready. This this realm of visions is very, very real. And this is something that the Lord wants to do. Uh, uh, long as you're a child of faith, you're a child of God, and you love the Lord, and you're open. I, I don't care if you're a Pentecostal. I don't care if you're charismatic. I don't care if you're Episcopalian or you're Baptist or you, you're Catholic or whatever you might be. If Christ is in your heart and you're open to receiving the things that God has for you, get ready because when the glory comes, and I'm telling you the light is here. It's your moment now. Visions. Visions can take place, and some of you have had some visions before, but it's been a, it's been a long stretch. Praise God! I'm here. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. Get ready for a vision. For some of you, it could be your first one. Mm-mm. I'll never forget my first uh, one in which I saw the Lord because it happened when I was riding in a PT cruiser. Now um, that was made by Chrysler, if I'm correct, and. You know what? Just the other day, I saw I saw a purple Chrysler PT Cruiser right next to me when I pulled up, and I said, "Lord, I know what's going on there." Because every time I see that, it's like ringing a bell. Get ready, <laughs> woohoo! Get ready. That always reminds me of when I had that first vision. Praise God. Now they discontinued making that car years ago. So if I see one sometime, that's usually to me an indicator. Uh, get ready. Praise God. But I, I'm just here to tell you these these experiences are very real. I'm not talking about something you imagined or something that, you know, in your in your mind. Uh, I, I think I'm seeing something. Well, uh, if you really are seeing something, you really will see something. I'm not saying this is something that you would try to fabricate. This is something that is real from God. 
praise God. But when the glory comes in your time, get ready for, uh, I wouldn't just call it inspiration. I call it what the Bible calls it, a vision. You're seen into the spirit. So whether it's a spiritual vision, a trance, or a full-blown open vision like this one is, get ready. Uh, get ready because these are high watermark moments in your life. And the Lord doesn't want them to be, uh, you know, these uh, uh, these things that only happen once and maybe what we would call a blue moon or super rare experience. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Get ready for a vision. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, what else can I expect? This is my time. I see the chaos going on out there. I see the gross darkness, but the glory is coming upon us. What else can I expect as I'm walking in the light? Praise God. Mm -mm. Well, that light will bring such a distinguishment from your life as to those that don't serve the Lord. And one of the things you're going to see is found in the book of Malachi chapter four. Let me just read that to you. And let me start in verse one just for a moment and just give a, this won't pertain to you, but it will pertain to those that are out there in the world, loving lawlessness, loving wickedness, and actually uh, celebrating it. Uh, this uh, verse one would pertain to them for behold, the day is coming. And let me tell you, it is, there's nothing they can do to stop it. There's nothing anybody could do to, uh, uh, block it. Uh, it's going to happen. It is a predetermined prophetic event on God's calendar, and it will come to pass. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. That means they're going to get burned up. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Now, Verse 2, I want to talk to you now because of the glory, the light being upon you. Praise God. But to you who fear my name, that's you. Hallelujah. Respect you. Honor the name of the Lord, he, uh, who he is, his character. Praise God. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Many of you are going to experience Hear me very carefully. You're going to experience a transformation in your health. Praise God. I see longevity for you. Should the Lord tarry? Should the Lord tarry? If he comes back sooner than we think, praise God, we're out of here. That's fine with me. But at the same time, should the Lord tarry, you're going to live a long life. Praise God. And I see that because of the glory and the guidance of the Holy Spirit on you and upon you, I see things taking place with your body, all the creaks and the squeaks and all the moans and the groans, that stuff's going to just begin to leave you, praise God. And you're going to be healthy. Uh, many of you are going to lose weight, and you're going to get to what the Lord designed to be your set body weight. Before you were ever born, God had the plan for your body's structure, and he's going to help you to walk in that place of optimum health. Praise God. That doesn't mean that maybe you can go out tomorrow and run a marathon. I'm not saying it means something like that. I'm not saying that within two weeks you're going to be able to bench press, you know, 600 pounds uh, or, you know, maybe uh, join the Olympic team for 2021 in Tokyo. You know, uh, I'm not saying that, but I am saying God's going to do a work in your body, and I see health coming to you. I see you being able to walk. I see you being able to laugh. I, I see you being able to travel. I see you being able to do the things God has got assigned you to do because health has sprung up in your body, and that begins now. Praise the Lord. Mm, 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 mm. Healing in his wings. So cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Cooperate with the Lord and that glory upon you, praise God, and God will get you exactly to where he has planned for you to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord is certainly good. Praise God. He's going to help you get in shape. Mm -mm. Now, understand, I, I think I, I need to say a little bit, a little more on that because of balance. Uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be living in the gym. You know, uh, it doesn't mean that you turn into... Um, 
one of these people, you know, uh, you know, you just you come like a fitness guru or fitness fanatic, and then you lose all of your spirituality because you're so now, you know, focused on that. But I am saying there is a place for uh, giving attention to that, and the Holy Spirit's going to help you with that, and He's going to expedite it. So allow Him to work with you. Knowledge will flood into you, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be an easy transition because the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Praise God. And next, and I'm just giving you the top three. I want to give you uh, three very important things. The next thing that is going to come out of this being your time and the light and the glory being upon you is also found in the same verse, verse 2 of Malachi chapter 4. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out. You ready for this? And grow fat like Stall-fed calves. Praise the Lord. The Lord is going to establish, through His glory resting upon you, He's going to establish financial strength in your life. When you see the phrase, grow fat, that is a Hebrew idiom that refers to growing strong financially. Praise God. You are going to grow fat. You are going to grow strong in your finances. Praise the Lord. And I believe there will be those of you, if you have an interest, you know, God won't take you somewhere that you don't want to go. But if you have an interest in this, there are many that the Lord is going to lead into the status of millionaires. The Lord is going to lead into the status of multimillionaires. And then there will be others that he will take further along that journey. Some have a designated assignment to go into that realm. There's others that may uh, just think, I'd like to go there, Lord, just, uh, just because I'd like to be a blessing. Praise God. Uh, there's room on the financial blessing bus for you, too. So get on it. Hallelujah. And grow fat financially. The glory, the glory is going to transform your finances. Let the weak say, I'm strong, praise God. And you can make that confession over your finances. You may not have a lot right now, but you're going, you're going to grow fat. Your finances are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Praise God. So let the Holy Spirit help you in that area. I heard something very interesting uh, that the Holy Spirit just brought to my heart just before coming up to the pulpit. And I'd like to share that with you in the same context of growing fat Financially, and this would be found in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. Let's turn over there just for a moment. Matthew chapter 4, this would be the area in which Jesus was tempted by the tempter himself. Matthew chapter 4, and let's go to verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Watch this. And their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, uh, some have said this was a false temptation. Satan really didn't have it. He's just kind of like trying to bluff Jesus and, you know, but no, no, we, we know that this was a real temptation. He actually had it. Uh, that's why even Jesus said, as we started off in John chapter 14, verse 30, he is the ruler of this world. He's, he's got all of that. He got it from Adam when Adam turned it over to him through his sin, original sin there in the Garden of Eden. So here we see that Satan is making a play to offer these things that he has under his control to the Lord if the Lord will only uh, fall down and worship him. Jesus, in verse 10, he responds, uh, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Praise the Lord. Now, I heard in my spirit, by the Holy Spirit, the words legitimate riches. Woo, praise God. There is a lot of wealth out there that could be considered perhaps it's legal riches, but just because it's legal doesn't mean in the eyes of God it's moral. But God is going to bring legitimate riches to his people who seize the moment of realizing 
that what many have prophesied, particularly uh, Charles Capps prophesied what he uh, received from the Lord as the prophecy called the financial inversion, where provision is going to begin to flow to people who have prepared their hearts, who are solid with the Lord in principles and in character, and it's going to begin to flow to those who will steward it wisely. Praise God. So the Lord wants to put legitimate riches into the hands of his people because he knows they'll use it for the right cause, for the furtherance of the gospel. Praise the Lord for the relief of suffering, for the blessing of people, primarily for the preaching of the gospel. Glory to the Lord. So I would I would highly encourage you to open your heart to this because this all goes along with the glory being seen upon you. Because remember, Satan said, all of this glory has been given to me, and I can distribute it to anybody that I want to. So he's actually calling wealth and the resources of nations, which, in, you know, it turned into an economic sense, turns into basically what we know as finances and money. He called it glory. And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, that's not the glory. The glory is really uh, the glory on the Ark of the Covenant. No, Jesus didn't argue with him. He knows that is a accurate reference to glory because you see the same thing with Solomon and the glory of the, the kingdom of Solomon uh, because of all the gold and all the uh, uh, tremendous financial wealth that they had. So the Lord is going to bring that into the lives of his people. So this is a time for visions. This is a time, and by the way, with the visions, you know what to do with your assignment. You know your assignment. You know how to walk it out. And this is a time for health and healing being brought to you on, it's like it's coming in on wings. It's going to come into your life on wings. That's why I'm saying there's a grace to it. You're going to get in shape. You're going to get in shape, praise God. What normally maybe could have taken a year, it's going to take two or three months, and you're just going to go forward. You're going to maintain that. Praise the Lord. And also, this is the time to grow fat financially. Now, again, your challenge will be to believe the Word or to believe circumstances that are going on out there in the midst of gross darkness. But just realize, the Lord told you that the gross darkness would be taking place among the people, and along with that is your moment. He's going to arise over you, and His glory will be seen up on you. Praise the Lord. So, arise, shine, for your light, your light has come. Get the focus over on what God is doing for you. Yes, we're very aware out there, all the noise, all the ruckus. But again, get back into the secret place and in that place of peace and quietness, the Lord is saying, this is your time to rise up and go. I'll bless you. I'm going to do these things in your life. The glory is coming on you. Praise God. Expect it. Visions, healing, and growing fat financially. Father, I pray for your people that they be aware of the gross darkness, that they be aware of the deception and lies, and they distance themselves from that, and they stay strong in the light, the light of your word, the light of your kingdom. And Father God, they choose to believe what you say about the situation and not what all of the negative voices of the darkness would say. We thank you, Father God, that this is the time where you're moving, you're moving. And we thank you, Father God, for allowing us the privilege to be on the front lines to actually demonstrate it to others. And others will see in the body of Christ what you're doing. And we thank you, Father God, they'll be in too. We thank you, Father, for the first wave that's coming, which is the visions. Visions are coming. Father, pray, prepare your heart, prepare the hearts of your people to receive a vision. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. And I would ask Father God, that they that you would help them to remember that once the vision is over, help them to immediately write it down and get it into a recorded form so that it can never be lost or that maybe later on they won't have any questions about. Did he say this? Or I thought he said that. Lord, let them write it down immediately. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Let us treasure your word. Father, everything that you said. You had it written down. And so, Father, when you speak to us through a visionary experience, let us treasure your word. Let us write it down and show honor and respect to that which it is you would say to us. Father, we give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. 
Let us all agree and say, Amen. Praise God. My friends, if you're watching today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're in the kingdom of darkness, and you know it, and you're not happy about it, because you know the end of where that's all going to go, and you want to come into the light, Christ makes salvation available for you today. Why don't you receive Him right now into your heart? Pray this prayer out loud. Pray it from your heart. Pray it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I come to you today, and I ask you to save me. Jesus, wash away my sins. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. And from this day forward, step into my life. Take full control. Lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior. In your name, I pray. Amen. And amen. And my friends, the Lord has heard that prayer and he has answered. He has saved your soul. You belong to him. Live for him. Praise God. Welcome into the kingdom of light. Welcome into the family of God. Now, my friends, let's take Holy Communion today. Grab some unleavened bread. A little wafer will do just fine. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the bread, the juice. We set it apart as holy. This is now Consecrated as the body and the blood of our Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Jesus, we thank you, Father God, that we choose to believe your word, that it's our time. And Father, you so often move in times when we would think, maybe retreat or pull back or be quiet, but so often that's when you would say go, and you're saying that this is the time. The glory is rising over you. The light is here. Go forward. And we thank you, Father God, for the release of healing, of growing fat financially. We thank you for the release of visions, a close walk with you, and uh, a hotline that's open with you between us and your voice. We thank you, Father God. We receive all that you have for us. We receive visions. We receive your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the great restrainer, holding back the lawless one, holding back the enemy's plan just to run wild. It's not time for that. It's not time for that yet. We see, we see elements of it. But, Father, we thank you there's still the restraining work of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he lives within us. We thank you, Father, for Jesus and his shed blood. And Father, we ask that if we have committed any sins, that you would forgive us, and you would wash all of our sins away, and we forgive anyone who has sinned against us, we forgive them completely. And Father, we ask that you would lead us away from temptation, and that you would deliver us from the evil one. Father, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We thank you for the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I really believe that the Lord is going to touch some of these billionaires that are out there. Praise the Lord. We need to pray for them. Oh, Pastor Steve, we don't need to pray for them. Just let, no, no, we need to pray not only for the poor. We need to pray for the rich. Everybody needs Jesus. doesn't matter if you're poor, middle class, rich. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs the Lord. We need to pray for them. Praise God. Mm -mm. I believe the Lord's going to get some of them. Hallelujah. And there'll be a blessing to the kingdom. There'll be a blessing to the extension of preaching the, of preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And it could be that some of them have been raised up for that purpose and they don't even know it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we just ask that you would you would save many of these wealthy people. They don't know you. They've never heard the gospel. It's like although it's out there, they've it's never broken through to them. So we ask for their salvation. We pray for Mr. Warren Buffett. Father, we pray for his salvation. We pray for him to come to know you, even if he never gives a penny into your kingdom. Yet, Father, Jesus died for him. And we ask that the gospel would break through to him, that you would give to him the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
in the knowledge of Jesus so that he could understand the message of the gospel. We pray for Bill Gates. We pray for these men, Father God, that they don't know you. We pray that they would come to know you. And even if they never gave one dollar, Father, to the kingdom, but yet Christ died for them, we pray that they would not perish in their sins, but they would receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. We lift it up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. My friends, thank you for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, walk in the light, walk in the glory, and watch. Watch as a visionary experience is very soon coming to you. It could come today. Be ready. May the Lord bless you. Bye-bye.